Hi, I'm Jackie and I'm your host. Welcome to this podcast, Unschooling, Learning Without Rules. Unschooling means parents allowing their children as much freedom to explore the world as they can comfortably bear. I'm a retired homeschooling mum of four and I followed the unschooling approach with my children, who are all now in professional careers with degrees. I felt compelled to start this podcast because homeschooling is very much in the news, often negatively, and I wanted to share my insight on how it can be a joyful, empowering experience for the whole family. Join me this week as I interview my son, Joe. Right, well, I'm really happy to uh, welcome my son, Joe, to this podcast. Um, Joe came out of school when he was four and didn't go back in until he had to take his GCSEs and um, is now 31. So welcome, Joe. Thank you. Thank you so much for for including me in this. So uh, looking back over your life, Joe, how important would you say that it has been that you were unschooled? I mean, I really think it's been completely fundamental to almost everything in my life. I mean, it's it's shaped not just how I approach my career, um, and it shapes not just the skills that I've had in my in my professional life, but then also very much my social life, very much my awareness uh, of of how I fit into the world, um, and just fundamentally my personality. I mean, I I think that probably one of the largest differences between me and most people, it isn't my height, it isn't my age, it isn't where I come from. Uh, one of the most fundamental differences that I see between me and the average person is that I was homeschooled. It's it's that central to uh, to so much of my identity. I mean, it's something which I, I f- and I speak, you know, in really broad terms here, but it's something that I've noticed with a lot of other homeschoolers, uh, that it seems to be that we have a way of being both slightly dismissive of authority in some ways, but then also, uh, I think you get lots of homeschoolers who are quite entrepreneurial. I think you get lots of homeschoolers who perhaps are a little bit more eccentric. I think you get homeschoolers who um, who just seem to to not have that shared cultural experience of going through what for many people is such a difficult time. There's almost like a a level of not being as burnt out when you talk about that time as I mm. feel that there is sometimes when you talk about people who who went to school. You know, mm. it's it's. On the whole, I feel that most homeschoolers I've met, and this is incredibly generalizing, are more optimistic and are a little bit sort of lighter in spirit. But that's that's hugely generalizing, but it's mm. something that does seem to be a recurring trend in a lot of homeschoolers I've met. Is there a flip side to that? Could that be in any way a negative thing? I suppose that the argument is that going to school and going through those experiences hardens a person up, you know, and teaches them what the real world is like and gets them to a point where they, you know, understand their place in society more. I mean, it's a very depressing idea that, you know, this, 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 this concept that your, your very sense of self needs to sort of be broken in like a boot. And then you're then you're able to uh, successfully function in society. And I, you know, it's strange how many very intelligent, very empathic people will revert to that when they're talking about uh, what they've gotten out of school. Mm. And I think that you get a 
a situation where because people have gone through a very difficult experience themselves, it's very cognitively painful to imagine that that experience was not in some way necessary. You right. don't want to believe that you suffered pain or you suffered a great uh, difficult experience for something which wasn't exceptionally valuable and couldn't have been achieved for any other means. Right. And I think for whatever reason, that makes people very encouraged to, you know, do mental gymnastics uh, to to come up with reasons why the homeschooled approach surely would fail and surely has some massive flaw at its centre, which, you know, everything has mm. flaws, but mm. I think that comes from a different sort of place. You may have come across people, and your granddad, my dad, was one of them, Rodney, <clears throat> who said they were the best days of my life, my school days. I don't discount someone's experience, and I'm sure that, that they probably were the best days of their life, but equally, if you've spent your life in one situation, you're going to have some great days in it, you know. You can spend your life living, if, if you grow up in almost any situation, uh, assuming you're not, you know, at war or in a horrible, um, you know, abusive situation, there are going to be days where you have fantastic days, where you feel full of happiness, where you have adventures, mm -hmm. where you make friends. That can happen in, in any situation. I think just because there are positive memories that you have from a situation doesn't mean that situation itself was the most, uh, most productive and most enabling of you to reach your potential happiness. Right. So I think that people often assume that because I had some good times in a situation, therefore that situation is impeachable. I would say, well, you know, you were young. You were going to have good times almost in any situation. The fact to me that you were still able to find happiness in, a, in a, an institution as difficult as that speaks much more to your ability to find happiness than it does to that institution's ability to, to allow you to find it. Is there any room in your vision of it that it could be a positive, productive place? I think lots of parents listening to this might think, well, school can work for that child. For example, in our family, school worked for a, for the middle child. She went in quite early and stayed in and, and did actually love most of it. It's a very difficult thing because I'm aware that I'm very much speaking from one life experience and yeah. I'm not a parent. There are many... Um, many social challenges that some young people have that I didn't experience. There are situations where I'm sure that the structure and the routine of a school environment can suit some people. I, I absolutely am sure of that. What I believe is that for the majority, the current system is absolutely not fit for purpose and that it is very harmful in many of its aims and mm. many of the ways that it tries to achieve those aims. Mm. And I think that the people who really thrive in that situation are the exception. I don't think that the majority do. Mm. And I think the majority would be much better suited, perhaps not homeschooling, but mm. perhaps a greatly reformed education system. I, I completely agree. I think the idea of like learning centers or resource centers where people for me it's all about being in control of your own choices and your own learning so if there were um i mean now we have the internet it's a bit different but in those days when we home educated if, if there were places we could go that that had the resources to be able to offer you all sorts of things courses activities hobbies anything really 
um, but you were always in in control. For me, that that would be the ideal. A hundred, a hundred percent. You know, I I see it in my head, and I I don't work in education, so I am approaching this from just one perspective of of having having been home educated and having gone through the school system. Uh, but in my head, what makes sense is is sort of exactly what you said, which is more of a um, a institution where you're kept safe where you're able to you know have some time to to talk with friends you're not sort of always pushed to be doing the next thing but then there are lots of opportunities available around you whether it's learning music in a music room whether it's doing a project a business project uh with another teacher and sort of different individual projects all around you that you can choose to get involved with um that to me seems like the most logical way of keeping people safe allowing for personal development and also allowing for personal ownership of the project that you're doing i mean it's i know this isn't entirely the the center of the discussion but something that's worth thinking about is at least from how i think about this you know school seems to me to have two functions one is essentially childcare so the parents are able to to work and to have time away from their children which is fine and a needed thing and two is to develop employment skills and personal development skills within the young people. And I think if we're just seeing it as childcare, well, anything can be childcare. I don't think we need to worry too much about that as long as people are kept safe. But as far as developing skills for employment, I mean, anyone who's engaged with the school system knows that this isn't a system designed to allow you to thrive in a professional environment. It'll maybe get you up to a standard where you can do mathematics and you can do you can read and write in english but no one is going to go through a career based on what they've learned just in high school everything comes usually afterwards or based on individual interests that the young person has maybe they code in their free time maybe they draw and sketch and they're an artist in their free time that's usually the thing that leads to them then using that in their professional life so i think anything that allows young people to distinguish themselves from each other and be different from each other is rewarded in the economy and is ultimately a smarter way of building professional skills. Mm. That was the thing at my very restricted boarding school that I think I really felt keenly uh, that we were just a sausage in a sausage machine and that we, we didn't have the encouragement to be different from each other and that just that just wasn't anywhere there at all. Well exactly and it's also we don't we don't need sausages you know we maybe 50 years ago or, or 100 years ago it was useful to have a sausage-based economy where everyone was essentially just brought up to a certain standard and then thrown into jobs where you could learn it, you know, you could learn the job within a couple of months and it really could be anything. Maybe that, maybe that's how things were, were functioning well, but that's not the world we live in. We live in a world of specialization, a world where you can only really be sure of employment if you are very specialized in something that you're doing. And specialization is not possible in the current way the school system's designed. Yeah. So I yeah. think that from an employment skills point of view alone, I would say that the school system hinders people. It's not that it's even it's yeah. not that it's neutral, it's that it hinders people from yeah. professional skills. But I'm aware that's I'm aware that's 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 almost a, you know, a fairly radical view, but I I think a lot of people who you know, spend time mm. in the school system will not be a million miles away from thinking that already. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I keep reminding myself that, that school systems began through the churches in, in Victorian times, uh, school system as we have it now. And it was definitely all around childcare. That's what it was all about. And to be kept safe. Absolutely. And and it's quite surprising, really, in, in the way, if you look at the at the, the last century about how things changed, that this school didn't change. And even the qualifications mm. and the, the very academic bias and the, the way children in England have to start specialising in their subjects at 15, 16, 17, uh, slightly different in America. But... Um, and Europe, actually, they've got the baccalaureate, and in America they go on till a bit later before they have to specialise. But th- th- even that hasn't hasn't changed very much, and it's it, it feels like a really really outdated system. We are painting a very negative picture of school, that's for sure. You had something else to say? No, I, I was just gonna I was just gonna say quickly that something that I really don't want to sound negative yeah. on is the teachers. Um, I think there are so many great, inspirational, hardworking teachers who are doing spending all their energy in the system to to bring up the students as best they can and i think the system is so detrimental to the welfare of those teachers and for the the motivations of those teachers and so i think there are there are good people in the system i'm not saying it's you know a horrible prison that everyone involved should be taken away i'm mm. i'm just saying that the way it's structured uh, is unfortunately yeah, not absolutely. not fit for purpose i totally agree i mean i've lost count of the number of of friends I've got and then friends of my children who who have, were like myself very idealistic going into teaching with with um, lofty ideals and the very crushed and then burnt out and then yeah mm-hmm. have had to leave um I've probably mentioned it in in other parts of the podcast but uh, it was the phonetic problem mm-hmm. and we didn't realize you needed the whole word recognition as soon as we did realize that we were able to um at that point we were still being fairly structured so we did get a reading scheme but with a much more um grown-up content well th- that also you know is is part of the is part of the issue isn't it i mean i'm t- dyslexic and dyspraxic and i have terrible handwriting my my spelling is atrocious um but like throughout my career i've made a living uh doing articles and ghostwriting professionally like I'm, I'm able to to write quite well with the tools and mm. with the work setting that I've developed for myself but when I was in school you know when I went back to school in in year 10 when I was 14 they didn't know what to do with me as far as English so they sat me down they just put a A4 piece of paper and gave me a, a biro pen and they said okay write an essay about what your first day of school has been like and you know obviously they would assess me based on that one essay and decide which set to put me in and uh because my my writing my 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 spelling was atrocious and my handwriting was terrible and you know i was holding a pen very tightly because that's a dyspraxic thing you're not very good at gripping very well um they took one look at it and they put me in the bottom set for english where people were you know routinely being kicked out and throwing chairs around and it's just this this sense that you well not sense but it's very real practice in schools where you are assessed in one particular way and then it's like okay that's you you're here now and it has really no relation to your potential it's just this one criteria that they've developed uh to work out where to put people but i'm probably jumping ahead but um i just thought that was relevant in terms of no uh, it is. I, th- I think what's also relevant is that um, just a couple of weeks later, they moved you to the top set when they realised um, that you were top set worthy. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I also yeah. don't like that there even is, you know, because every, you know, no. I, I, 
I, I wasn't causing trouble, but with that said, like, everyone should be worthy of the best type of instruction. Like, no one really should have been in that room. Uh, some of the people in there yeah. who I was with were incredibly funny, to be honest. Like, they were there because they were bored. They were there because they didn't like authority. They were very clever, very sharp. Um, they weren't bottom set people. No one's a bottom set person. That that doesn't exist. Oh, no, and that's no, no. that's why I, I, I do yeah. feel a bit weird about I was moved up, but that benefited me, but I it know. wasn't necessarily a good thing <laughs> in a way. No, absolutely not. No. I just want to pop in here with a very relevant mm. story to your story. And I'm not sure if I've ever told, told you this, but when um, Sam went to school, um, the, my first son, Joe's older brother, um, he had to do something similar. I think it's when he went back into school. Sam was one of my children who went in and out. And when he went back in, um, he he was given an A4 piece of paper to write on. And forgive me, this is you, Joe, you have to correct me, but um, he wrote on it the wrong way around. He had it in front of him horizontal because that's how he did most of his work at home. So he wrote the whole story and, and he was he was judged on the fact that he didn't know which way around to hold the paper. That that was much to write on the paper. That was much more an interesting point to them than, than actually what was yes. written on it. And I think this came from the fact that, that, that I, I learned something very, very handy when I started a home educator. And that's how to make a little booklet out of a piece of paper. You have to make a few very choice incisions and you fold it in a certain way. And I'm a little bit ham-fisted, but I managed to do it. And you make a six or seven little page turner of a book that's about the size of your palm perhaps just your actual palm and Sam used to love doing stories on that so I think it came from that 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 piece of paper you know yeah. that's interesting that's interesting yeah that's it's right. it's these little things that they judge you on and then have enormous repercussions for for how you're treated um yeah yes. absolutely I mean even at my very very posh boarding school the first year round when I'd um went to university entrance I didn't get any interviews whatsoever um, because um, I had a bad character write-up from my school <laughs> apparently they they it's um, they they damn you with faint praise that's right <laughs> to use an Alexander Pope quotation so it's, it's what my headmistress didn't say about me and I was quite I was a feisty spirited slightly re rebellious child I looking but I don't think I was that bad but I was obviously bad in and I didn't have one offer at all from any of the universities and then I did so well at A-levels because there was nothing else to do at school except work hard that they said oh well you, we better put you down for Oxford and Cambridge come back and try and get in so I had this horrible stressful term where we had to do a novelist a week and a playwright a week um, absolutely ridiculous and it was a horrible stressful experience <laughs> But, so yeah. even when you do well they reward you so, with more <laughs> with more stress <laughs> with more horror yeah. Yeah. But anyway, to, to come back to you. So bear in mind, people will be listening. I have no idea really um, about how one would home educate except doing school from home, which we're trying to point out is a very different way of doing home education, which is unschooling. So could you give us some sense of, of what you did all day at home? I mean, how what's your memory of how you spent your time? I know it's a huge. Question. No, pretty good. Um, so I'm thinking about the period of time when uh when our family lived in America and uh, we lived in this, it was a house sort of in a very rural Pennsylvania. So there were lots of trees and we had a couple of acres of land, which was crazy and something I'd never experienced before then, having that much land. Uh, so 
There are lots of things that I did. I mean, I think we were very social in some ways. There were some friendship groups that we would often travel to events with or we would have sleepovers with. Um, I did a couple of structured activities. I did like roller skating. Uh, I did bowling. I did uh, taekwondo. Um, so there are a couple of classes, which I was very fortunate, you know, that those were around and obviously we could afford it and everything. Um, but most of the time I was just doing my own thing. Um, I enjoyed watching documentaries. I really enjoyed walking in the woods. I enjoyed, there was a, a creek that went round our house. It was sort of where the rainwater collected and would roll down the hill. And I spent ages uh, with a spade sort of creating a system of of dams and different waterways that I would be able to have water flow into one large pool that I'd made out of sort of earth and clay and dirt and then I could lift up a rock and it would flow into another one and I built up a pretty good system to the point where when it rained I'd be looking outside the window and I'd be thinking oh I've really got to go and open up some of those valves because otherwise there's going to be a, a flood and all my hard work will go so I would, I would head out in the rain and just do my little project have my responsibility of opening those valves um, which, which was, I don't oh yeah, it was so much fun. Um, and, and I was making yeah. them stronger and I was figuring out different ways to reinforce it and how I could make the clay more water resistant by mixing it with different things. So that was really fun. So I, I found a lot of my own fun. Um, I would make little like films, we had like a film camera and I, my sister and her friends would, would oh, all be yeah. my actors. Um, and so I'd do that and make little projects. But mostly, to be honest, I was just having a happy life. I mean, I wasn't constantly doing so-called enrichment activities. I was just enjoying the fact that I was alive, which is kind of the kind of the point of being alive, really. It's not to get to the next step. It's not like, how did I enrich myself today and improve my employment prospects today? I was just happy to be alive, which... I mean, unless I've got, you know, there's a memo I'm missing, it's meant to be the point of being alive anyway. So, you know, I, mm. I felt like that time was perfectly well spent. Even when I was doing nothing in particular, uh, I was happy. And I yeah. think I couldn't trade that for anything. Yeah. I wouldn't have wanted, if you mm. could have asked me if I could have lost two years of that time and instead I would now know four other languages fluently, would I do that? I'd say no because I wouldn't trade two years of happiness in that situation. So to me, it was entirely worth it to be that happy. And it set me up uh, to be, I think, a fairly happy adult and someone who's, I think, about as stable as anyone else. Um, so no, I think that was incredibly important for my foundation. And that was far more important than any academic skill that I could have been force fed. Um, yeah, I don't mean to sound bitter about school, but it will come across. So I do, I do apologise. Um, no, that's is that, as a as an unschooling parent, that is absolutely wonderful to hear. And, um, I, and, I'm, and I'm and I'm so grateful. It's great, you know, and I'm so grateful to you for allowing that situation. I also, you know, recognise it is a privilege thing. It probably is a class thing. You know, we had the money to do it. That's absolutely an important part of the discussion. Um, and there was space in the States, you know, we were able to have all that land, have all that uh, space so I could run around. And I think my life would have been very different if I was doing that, say, in the centre of London. Um, my life would have been entirely different. So I think it's as much as what I'm saying is about unschooling, it's v much more about unschooling for me in that one situation. 
Uh, so I think every situation is different. Mm. So I'm just very aware of that. But I will also say that we knew a lot of people who did live in inner cities and kept in touch with them. And um, like like the family we knew in southeast uh, Philadelphia, for example, they lived in quite cramped um, situation. But it's it's more the the attitude and what you choose to do. And even with very little money, it is possible. And I was always impressed by people who who were really um, struggling and had to go through quite some sacrifices themselves as parents to be able to, to follow this approach. It, it certainly is. Um, it's all about motiv- motivation. Oh, I absolutely. Think. And, I mean, um, absolutely being determined to follow something that, that you believe in. Lots of homeschooled yeah. friends of ours at that time didn't you know necessarily like have large houses or lots of space but things we 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 didn't need that we created Mm. our own fun we had conversations we made up little games we would explore the area um you know we we just made up our own fun i mean that's what you do as a kid that's something that is easy to do well to bring it round to an area of your life that i don't think you like to think about very often upper tina's we fa- I, I mentioned Upper Tina's in our um, podcast with Jan and Eloise, and this was like a Summerhill kind of outfit where basically they were they were covering for unschoolers in that they were responsible to the government for us. So they they would do some sort of evaluation every year, which was very informal, but it meant we could unschool under the umbrella of Upper Tina's. So they were officially a school, but all that sort of by the by, really. We did find this learning centre, which I think is is fair to call it that, um, and you could choose what courses you you wanted to do and people came and went and it was very, very free. And the reason we tried it was we had four children and two of them wanted structure, whereas you weren't so keen on that. And of course I had the baby. And um, so they enjoyed the courses which they choose to do, drama, maths, art, various things, but you really hated it. So maybe you could give us your memories on that or your thoughts around that i think perhaps? i was pro- yeah. because we were just saying how wonderful a resource center would be yeah I, we? And that I, was think, I think i think for whatever reason i just got a very stubborn idea in my head at that age um i don't know if i had just found some of the people there to be not very nice and i think back then at that age mm. i wasn't you know very mature and i think i just fixated on this idea that no this is a bad place you know this is there's a couple of people here who haven't been very nice and and that's that's a real shame i think actually that kind of place was probably um would have been would have been great for me i think i was just unfortunately at that point quite a stubborn (laughs) stubborn little kid um and and i'm very you know i i I think i used to be very good at being stubborn well i think it's a shame to put it on yourself like that you simply were who you were but I suddenly found myself in the very awkward situation of having two children who absolutely loved it and who really wanted to carry on going. I should point out this was an hour's drive away from where we lived and one who absolutely didn't. And we spent some energy trying to sort of acclimatise Joe to the culture and, you know, trying to get you to enjoy it a bit more. But the line in the sand for me was when you sat me down one day or maybe we were on one of our car trips and said, I'm going to give you 99 reasons why I hate Opportunas. <laughs> and you, 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 you talked about it for an hour and I realised, you know, I'm coercing you, taking you there. This isn't in my philosophy. What am I going to do? And I think lots of parents 
or parents who have maybe, you know, quite a, a few children, they're going to find one likes this, you know. So that's where the parent flexibility has got to come in. So that was quite tough for, for us. But what how we got around it is we, we would do that. We ended up driving four hours, I think, um, all, all, all together in a day. We'd, we'd drive the children there, drop them off, and then you and I would, would go off and do stuff. You'd develop Taekwondo at some point later and then go and pick them up. So it can be challenging, but we still managed to leave the two in who wanted to and, and give you the freedom you wanted. So I'm actually quite yeah, proud oh, of God, I, mean, I don't know how you had the energy. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, all I can say is I apologize and I wish I had been less awkward. Um, I think, I think probably part of it was that I didn't like that structure and I felt that people were trying to control a bit of my time and I rebelled against that. And, you know, I feel very guilty that that was, you know, I, sure. I think you, you responded to it in a, such a constructive way. Um, but I think that was much more about my my personality at the time and I think feeling like I didn't have much control and arbitrarily wanting to find some control somewhere and so that was probably what I fixated on. But yeah, mm. maybe maybe some people would have made me have a few miserable years until eventually I did. I don't know what the answer is. I yeah, I, I really don't know. But um I'm very grateful for what happened. It really taught us a very valuable lesson that you have to listen to every single one of your children. Uh, it's not a question: of, is this is this right or wrong? Is, is it a shame? This is how also, they are. Yeah, and and we, we that makes sense. I think also I was more introverted, and I I think yeah. I didn't like the and, idea of having to interact with people every day on command. I, I wanted to be able to have more of my own time sure. and and be alone more. You know. Yeah, but also that sort of brings us around to like sharing the time, like having force being one of four siblings there was a lot of having to share resources and share time and we had our, our fair amount of family discussions didn't we like who had control of of the computer we had the one computer at that point i think um what are your memories of that that whole having to discuss and share your resources and time with your siblings um yeah some some bitter arguments definitely uh but i i think a lot of that was was I think I think fairly normal as far as development goes and learning to get along with different people and learning to be respectful. Uh, I think more or less we we did reach a pretty good system. I don't remember it being constant arguments, but I think there were definitely some tensions. Right. And I think that, like a lot of siblings, I think we were definitely at each other's throats sometimes. Um, I was rem remembering a time just last week, I was talking to someone, I was remembering this, when I got so annoyed at Nell, my younger sister, um, and this was during the winter when it was absolutely freezing outside, proper Pennsylvania winter, and I was I was absolutely enraged. I can't remember why, and I went to the closet and I found as many of her clothes as I could, and I dragged them all outside onto the pavement, onto onto the uh, the tarmac outside our house, and I sprayed them with a hose pipe of water because I wanted them to freeze into one giant block. <laughs> And I thought that would be the best way of getting back at her if all her clothes were frozen in a block. And, you know, that that was the level of, like, we really were at war sometimes with each other. And, you know, uh, mm. that, that was mm. absolutely could be nasty. But equally, like, we had the time to get to know each other too. And I think that we eventually did find mm. a good equilibrium. But there was definitely some sometimes where we were it was war as well but mostly it was very happy and great that you had the freedom to be able to feel that i i think um 
the way I grew up was a lot of the time, you know, it just wasn't appropriate to, 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 to be able to express yourself like that. For example, my own family that I grew up in, we, we didn't argue. My mother was always developing this headache if mm. anyone raised their voice. So it was, we didn't have that freedom to absolutely unleash. I want to come to a, a mm. parenting approach um, from this. It's, I'm very glad we wandered into this avenue of conversation because this also, I was just very inspired by Apertinas in this respect because they followed this and you won't have seen any of this because you didn't like Apertinas, etc. But they had, I used to call it the Apertinas approach, which basically was conflict resolution. And what that would be was you'd sit down the two warring parties and they would both express their, their angry point of view at the other you would witness each one you would you would recite back to both of them what you'd heard sometimes you'd even write down and through this whole process and 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 then you look for a win-win situation i mean most people probably know what conflict resolution is but i found it worked awfully well but it was terribly time consuming and we would have to sit and if one of you had a grudge with the other it would sometimes take ages and ages but but i think you still this is my hope that you felt in control and in power of what came out at the end so you didn't bear a grudge and that we could all move yeah, forward. Yeah, I would absolutely say so. I mean, it's difficult for me to compare what that would have been like because I, I, I never experienced it the other way. So for me, what we were doing is is just how people resolve conflict. Mm. But of course, I have to remember that that is actually quite a radical thing compared to people who don't have that. So for me, I've always thought that's normal. Yeah. But then it's this thing where you get older and you realise, oh no, actually resolving conflict peacefully in that way is not normal in the home. That's not how most people, you know, have it happen. Mm. Um, so I, you know, all I can do is is sort of think, well, it, it made so much sense at the time. Um, I don't know why this isn't something everyone mm. does. Well, if we could move on to, uh, you told us you went back into mm. school at 14 and you'd done very, very little um, formal work in inverted commas, if you like up to that point. Could you give us some impression of how it was for you when you went into school at 14? So, so what the story is that I was homeschooled when we lived in the States until I was 14. And then we came back to England when I was 14. And it was my own decision at that point that I wanted to go into school and have the last two years of high school. I think part of that was almost a sense of, well, if we're moving countries anyway, I might as well just have as novel a different experience (laughs) as is possible. Like I might as well just, just go for it. And I think also part of me even then recognized that if I never went to that, to school, I would be missing out on something that so many people relate to each other about. And I would be missing something quite important. I think also even at that age, I was, very scared of the idea of not having any qualifications and thinking that, oh God, you know, what if I get old enough and I've got no qualifications and nobody will ever hire me and I'll be a loser. And, you know, I had, even though I was homeschooled, I still internalized a little bit of that fear. I think probably just from the culture, you know, and from TV. So for me, going into school was kind of a mixture of those things. Why, what it was like, mm. um, hard. It, it wasn't, it was a nasty place the the high school I went to, the teaching standard was very low, almost across the board. There were a couple of teachers. Uh, my drama teacher was fantastic. A couple of the science teachers, uh, uh, some of the you know here and there in other departments were also quite good. But on the whole, most teachers um, I I think were a very low standard. 
I think that there was very little, um, very little oversight in how students were interacting. Lots of very overt bullying, very overt uh, physical violence between students. Um, very Lord of the Flies ish. I think it, it, it was, you know, pretty objectively not a good school, no matter how you slice it. I don't. I think it's probably improved a little bit since now. I don't know. And getting into that environment was very odd for me. You know, I was used to being trusted. I was used to being fairly self-actualized. I was used to um, to being able to have friends who, you know, I could make friends with people who are older or younger, who are who are boys or girls. And suddenly, you know, in a school that maybe has seven hundred pupils, it's seen as very weird if you're friends with someone who's in a year younger than you, and you're told to to get shoved if yeah. you're trying to talk to someone older than you. So then you have your year. And then it's seen as very weird if you're talking to a girl because either, you know, people will make fun of you and they're like, oh, you're gay. Or they'll think that you're trying to like chat up that girl because you fancy her. So that's not really an option for friendship. So then it becomes that you're only really allowed to be friends with males of the same year. And then within that, about, you know, 20% of them will just be horrible bullies then there'll be other like niche groups within the rest of them. So from a school of 700 pupils, the amount of people you're kind of able to be friends with hovers around 20 to 25. And if you don't get along with them, then you're stuck. So you have to sort of force your, you have to, yeah, first of all, you have to figure that out, which took me a while because I did not realize that, you know, I was very naive going into it. And then when I figured that out, um, I was trying to balance that with the academic side, which for the most part, to be honest, I found the academic side uh, not a cakewalk, but I didn't find it to be the most difficult part of school. I think the social thing was the most difficult part of school. Uh, mm. The other mm. stuff, you know, maths I never got along with, but everything else was fine. I didn't get A's, but I was C's and B's. And to be honest, I don't think I was trying that hard. So, so I think I think I, that I was never panicked about my grades, really. But the the the, the social yeah. getting used to the social dynamics of school was definitely, uh, you know, one real experience. I think. I mean, I just say the obvious at this point for people who really have not ever come across the idea of someone being out of school and then just going in without no formal education to do their GCSEs, uh, you you manage to get the normal string of GCSEs and be able to move on to A-levels and a degree, etc., regardless of the fact that you hadn't done anything formal for ten the early 10 years of your life, from 4 to 14. So I just want to pick up what you said about bad teachers, which is quite interesting, because you wouldn't have had anything to compare it with. Um, and I wonder how bad they really were or whether you could find teachers of that ilk in probably most schools. Bad That's a really good question. Um, I think just very burnt out. I think very much going through the motions, very much how you... Maybe what I should say is bad teaching rather than bad teachers because I don't know the individual reasons that those teachers were performing the way they were, but the way that they were teaching you know, doing things like rote learning where they just write on a board and you have to wrote, write it down and then you memorise things and then they just walk out of the class as you're doing that and they come back 15 minutes later and they've asked if you've written it all down and they wipe it off the board. That to me is incredibly poor teaching. I don't know if perhaps for the time that was seen as the, the gold standard, but 
I didn't feel that I was getting anything from it. I mm. was thinking, well, why if we're just why are we writing things down by hand? Why is that scene? I have a book that has all the information. Am I recreating the book? What is this meant to be doing? I've no one explained why this was meant to be a good system. My handwriting was incredibly slow as it was, so for me it was quite stressful having to write it all down before it was scrubbed off. I often didn't, yeah. and then I would have huge gaps in my workbook, and I didn't know what to do with that. So the whole thing was just nonsensical to me, um, and stressful, and just made no sense why we were spending so much time doing this and then being yelled at routinely when the teacher would come back in and people would be having a conversation, mm. which of course they would do because the whole thing is insane yeah. and boring. <laughs> so it's it's to me absolutely mad. I yeah. this is probably why I'm you know, I I do have an anger towards it. I think I hope it's a constructive one, but I have an anger that we have a system that normalizes that approach to young people. Because it's cruel and it's unnecessary and it's silly. And I am amazed that it persists. And yeah, I don't mean to sound too bitter, but that is definitely what I took from it in that way. I mean, I think I knew you felt this way, but I'm still quite surprised at the, at the extent of your... Well, because a lot of people had it much worse than I did. I had the novelty of being an American with, you know, blonde hair and I could ride on that novelty. You know, I was... I wasn't really bullied because I was just too different. You know, I was just seen as too much of an eccentricity to be bullied. But most, yeah. you know, people had it far worse than I did. And I did not have a good time. And yeah. mm-hmm. that didn't end when I left school. A new year just came right back in. So the machine continues. Um, anyway, that's, yeah, a little bit of the, <laughs> the frustration. You mentioned when I left school, could you give us some idea what happened to you then? Because actually I've realised we haven't covered your adult life at all you know the listeners don't know what happened to you after sure so i got eight gcse's um ranging from a star to c i then went into a sixth form college where i studied media psychology sociology and performance Uh, i i really enjoyed doing a levels i really enjoyed the the freedom of the campus where i was you know we were treated like adults uh the classes were well taught i think the standard was very high and uh and mostly I really enjoyed it. I think that was probably educationally the happiest environment I've ever been in, other than homeschooling. Um, I certainly enjoyed it more than university, but it was the standard of teaching, I think, was, was yeah, was, was very high. And I did quite well. I got enough qualifications um, that I was able to go to uh, a university that I liked. I then studied uh, politics with international relations uh, at the University of York. And I got a 2-1, which is, you know, average good. And yeah, and then I was, and then I was out of it. So, you know, I, mm-hmm. there were lots of things I obviously did during that time. I did a lot, of, um, a lot of writing. I was the editor of my student newspaper. I then had a sort of a mini career as a freelance journalist, magazine writer. And then I worked on a small magazine in York for a while. Uh, so I, yeah, it, I, you know, used, used that time to follow my interests and that led to, to my career and that led to now. So it's, it was fine. Um, really it's, it's, it's mostly, mostly high school that I'm talking about when I, when I talk about my, my real distaste for, for the education system, I think sixth form was fine. And even as much as I didn't like university, you know, that's, that's, that's there if you want it. And, and what is it that you do now? What's your, uh, currently what's your I now? am marketing manager for a organization called YGAM, 
which produces educational materials for schools, actually, uh, to help talk to young people and vulnerable people mm -hmm. um, about gambling and problem video gaming. So sort of young people who might be video gaming an awful lot or might be sucked into yeah. unhealthy habits or might not, uh, might not be safe on those platforms. And so we create training which, uh, which young people, which, which the teachers can then, can then do and then can relay to the young people. So, uh, and then before that, I worked in the theatre sector doing theatre marketing. Right, brilliant. Well, um, in the same way that I was compelled to start this podcast, I remember at the start of the lockdown, you wrote an article on homeschooling. And I wonder if you could just um, tell us where we could find that if people were interested in it and, and what you covered sure. in it. Sure. Um, so briefly. I think I called it a homeschooler's guide to parents for homeschooling. It's published on a website called Medium. So if you search for Joe Burnham, Joe without any Burnham, on Medium, uh, you should be able to find that article. And basically that was just before lockdown started, me sort of just writing a letter to parents saying, you know, everything's gonna be okay. That if you are sort of situationally forced to do homeschooling, don't worry, you know, it's you're not gonna screw anything up in a year. You can be unschooled for many years and things be absolutely fine. Um, just if you can, I'm not a parent, so I, I really don't mean to advise parents. I'm just advising from my perspective as having been a young person, as, as we all have. Um, just just mm. focus on enjoying the time and happiness and not desperately trying to fill the school gap with, you know, as much structured academic activities as you possibly can. Just just don't worry. Take the pressure off, you know, let let yourself enjoy this time. And so that's yeah. sort of really all I was saying. But um I think everyone, me included, can use being told to just relax and be happy <laughs> sometimes. It was a, I'm not just saying it as your mum, it was a really lovely article and it got quite a good reaction all, all over the place actually. So I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, well, we're, we're sort of beginning to come to the end and winding up the interview. And I just wondered if you had any questions for me or a question. Sure, sure. If not. I mean, you know, so much obviously because... I was always, and even more so as I've become an adult, you know, impressed at what you did, uh, looking back and what dad did as well and, and how, you know, much energy you put into it and how committed you were to it. Um, and I'm sure that there were lots of uphill battles. Um, I suppose, how did, how did you feel when, when I went back into school, uh, when we went back to, to England? Did you feel that you, you were worried if you had prepared me for it or did you feel that you kind of knew on one level that it was going to be hard, but you also knew that that was what I chose and you wanted me to experience it for myself. Because I don't think that, and I'm glad that you didn't, I don't remember you saying to me, you know, this might be really hard. This might be very brutal. I think actually you were very good about letting me learn for myself what it was like. And I'm just curious, what was your feeling during that time when you knew that I was going to be going into that environment, which you you know would have known would, yeah. would it be uh, tricky yeah um very hard there's so many different aspects to this um just as we were coming to the end of our time in america you seem to go through quite a, a personality shift i guess adolescence growing up and it seemed that you were ready for a, quite a big you suddenly became terribly sociable this is right before we left and i, I remember thinking the school social life could mm. be to your liking that's what I thought. Also, um, I'm afraid to say we always had this worry about qualifications that we were unsure how we would do it at home. I knew I had to go out to work when we got back. 
which meant I wasn't available and uh, dad didn't have the same availability I, I had or even quite the same approach. He was more insular and more into just study at home, which would have worked fine because one of our um, group, one of, one of the siblings did have to stay at home. Um, I think I thought the key, and I always think this, is, is if you want to do it, your motivation is absolutely what it's all about. And I think you were curious, all your peers in America um, were pretty much going to performance arts school that we probably would have, you might have tried when you were there. I think you'd seen that you can go in and out. So there was no compulsion about you have to stay in. I th I, I, I'm sorry that, that you had this sense of must get my qualifications because that would have come from me and dad. And um, talking to another family recently, um, Jan and Eloise, they were just very chilled about it. They managed to get what they needed if they wanted it for the local colleges. And it was absolutely no problem at all to do that. And they all got to college. They all did what they wanted. So I, I think my unschooling po approach possibly failed me a little bit or I quailed when it came to the qualifications because I didn't really know any different. Um, and I just I think I just believed in you. I believed that you'd ride it. And um, I was delighted to see that, that, that you managed to handle. I think you had a bit of a, uh, I remember you, you had so much interest in you, partly because you lived in America and partly because you had a wheelie bag. And, and also you used to be, be able to do a certain gymnastic feat, which impressed everyone. And, and you had a lot of uh, interest in that. And, and I remember just being so proud that you were being oh. your own person. Well, that's a, that's Always a, that's a really person. nice thing. And, uh, and you know. at some point, I would love to interview you more, more sort of properly about your experiences with doing this, because um, it's it's such a different pers perspective, sort of me as the unschooler and you as the one who was doing the, the actual unschooling. Um, so I think that would be really fun to actually speak to you and kind of go through a little bit yeah. more about your experiences. But ultimately, you know, ending that, I mean, it's, it's, mm. I'm, I, I think I'm glad I had every step of that journey. I'm really glad that the majority of my young life was being unschooled. And I'm really grateful that I went to school because I think ultimately mm. I would have been lacking a level of experience if I had never done it. Um, but at the same time, it only confirmed to me that that institution is not fit for purpose. And I don't think anyone is losing anything by not being there. I think that children are naturally curious, people naturally want to learn right. eventually, and when you feel safe and when you feel like you have ownership over what you're mm. learning, then it's fun. I still love learning now, I'm still doing courses now in the evening, I'm still learning new things whenever I can because I enjoy it, and I don't think I would have that relationship or that idea that knowledge is fun unless I was unschooled. I don't, I think it would have just been right out of me if I'd been in the school system my whole life. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay, well, it's been a great interview and I'm going to wind up with the same three questions that I ask everyone. As a homeschool person, what would you recommend would be a great resource in the home for people beginning this uh, a resource? Or a well, you know book? what? I mean, obviously, I'm not a parent, so I haven't read books on homeschooling. Um, but something I was, I was thinking the other day is... If I was going to homeschool, what I would probably do is have different... It very much depends on your situation, but I think something that I would love to do if I had the space would be to have different sort of workstations around the home, each focused on a different activity. Uh, so I was playing a game called Rocksmith, where you have an electric guitar and you plug it into the computer, and it's a real electric guitar, and it teaches you how to play it with all these little arcade games. 
And so eventually you become quite good at sort of finger picking and making chords and all this stuff. Mm. And I thought that if I homeschooled, I would have this game on all the time in a corner with the screen turned off. And so any time that someone just was bored, they could just very easily turn the screen on, pick up the guitar and just do one of these lessons. And it would just be available instantly. And I sort of like the idea of just having things that you can learn available as as easy to access as you can. Just so if you're bored around the home, right. you just naturally start doing it. That's probably yeah. what I would do. But again, it's so dependent on your mm. situation. But that was just an idea. Yeah, that's great. That, that's, that's certainly of our time, the suggestion. Very, <laughs> very fu- futuristic, I think I'm trying to say. So the second question, if there was any piece of equipment in our life that you thought was uh, was really crucial to the whole unschooling experience that you could recommend to parents, big or small, what do you think it would Piece be? of equipment. I if you if you have the space a trampoline yeah. <laughs> i would say um that was that was great to keep in shape and that was great to have fun on um especially if you're not doing sports then any kind of physical equipment that you can play with is a lot of fun uh i would say something that allows you to be creative you know i would say a film camera or a mm. uh, instruments or art mm. materials or just something which can just exist in the house that is an option to uh, is, is a way to be creative even if it isn't touched for two years mm-hmm. there might suddenly be a week when mm-hmm. it's everything to a young person and they just want to do more and more and more of it and i think having those things ready for when that happens um i think can only be a good yeah. thing yeah i remember when we all all discovered photoshop how exciting that that was and yeah and and i still now when i'm at work i'm the one teaching people photoshop so that happened from being a homeschooler from just playing around with it all day and now that's one of the top lines of my cv is that i'm advanced photoshop user that wouldn't have happened unless i was you know able to have that freedom at at home (laughs) that's great and then the final question um what would be a crucial piece of advice you would give to parents considering this approach i think honestly just don't be scared the stakes the stakes you know, obviously it's your child and, and the child is the most important thing to you, but the stakes of missing a year of school, if you're just experimenting with this, I don't believe they're that high. You can miss, a, you know, this time. You're not going to miss something fundamental. You can pick it up. You know, I, I I went into school 14 not really having done anything academic and I just picked it up. A lot of it was, even then, felt like it was being baby fed it's it's fine to miss a bit of time and to try something else and if it leads to a great happiness then fantastic and if it isn't for you then i honestly think you can go back and you'll adjust to it i don't think that it's like once you're out of school that's it you're on a different life life thing and you're committed and oh my god it's 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 huge and what are you doing it's just you can go back and if you go back they'll catch up you know take the pressure off it's okay uh, you and even if you know you 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 go through this time and you don't get qualifications if someone if a young person is happy during their childhood and they you know are able to be happy and stable and and enjoy their life that's a person who's easily going to be able to if they want to go back and get qualifications as an adult or later on in life or you know just do them do a one year course quickly a happy person can do anything, but a miserable person, their options are really limited. Well, that's that's a wonderful place to finish. So thank you. It's been a real privilege doing this. Well, thank you so you. much. I really enjoy talking about it. And um, and yeah, I hope to any parents listening, um, 
just I hope you just keep an open mind and you know there are so many really amazing things uh, that that this can lead to. Next week I'll be talking to some good friends of mine, Olga and her family. She's travelling around Europe in a camper van with her three children. I'd love to support and help anyone that would be interested in contacting me, unschooling.lwr at gmail.com. So please feel free to get in touch with me if you're already following this approach or are simply interested in it or have any questions at all. Bye.